We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Kyle Porter. Kyle, what's going on? A coffee-infused edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. We both got our coffee coffee out this morning. This is early for me. This is early for you. We're taping this at uh, 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, which normally we do it around 1.30 in the afternoon, but... You and I are both busy, so we got to get this done. Uh, exciting week ahead. I mean, a Big 12 opener for Oklahoma State, Texas Tech coming to town. It's not uh, – things aren't haven't been really going that well for Cliff Kingsbury, but it seems like every time OSU and Tech get together, some crazy stuff happens. Yeah, do, do you think that um, – I don't know. We've talked about this off and on uh, over the last few years, but how, do, how does all this end for Kingsbury? I was thinking about this the other day because – it's, I think it's so hard when you go back to your alma mater and it's gone so well for Gundy. And I think that people at OSU are just like, oh, well, that's just how it goes at your alma mater. And then you look at Scott Frost and it's like, well, that's not going well. And you look at Kingsbury and it, it's just – it's hard to do, I feel like. And I'm curious about what you think about how this sort of plays out for, for Cliff. Well, I mean, before he was the head coach at Texas Tech, he was what, like the, the hottest young offensive coordinator? I mean, that – from a football sense, the hottest young offensive coordinator <laughs> in the country. And I, I think he would kind of become a, a Lane Kiffin type, whereas you know maybe a big program would bring him in as the offensive coordinator, much like Lane Kiffin when he got fired from his jobs, plural. So I think I don't think Cliff Kingsbury will, will be struggling for work. I, I do think there's a big difference between him and Gundy in that we saw market improvement from Gundy every single season. They improved their wins every single year for the first, what, five, six years. So there were like real signs of improvement, whereas Cliff Kingsbury just doesn't win games. You can blame his defense, obviously. Uh, he said they've had unbelievable offenses, but when it comes down to it, they don't beat anybody in the upper echelon of the Big 12, and until they do, he's going to get fired. That's It's pretty simple. I mean... I think they're giving him every chance they can. I think they want it to work out in Lubbock because, as you mentioned, he's their favorite son. I thought it would work out. It, it, it reminded me so much of the Gundy hire because they were similar ages as well, both young, first-time head coaches. So I I don't see it ending well, College, because I haven't seen any improvement, and they just still cannot beat the upper echelon of the league. Yeah, he's gone. Let's see. I've got his coaching record right here. So he started in 13. Eight and five, four and eight, seven and six, five and seven, six and seven. They've made three bowls. No, not great at all. And to your point, I mean, I I don't think I realized this at the time, but looking back on it, that class that that uh, Gundy brought in early on with the Pettigrew, the Kendall Hunter, the Dez, that was such a uh, kind of launching pad for the rest of Gundy's career, right? Because you know, after that, they sort of had the they were able. They, it bought them some time to get an infrastructure in place. You bring in Holgerson in ten, and you've really got things rolling after that. And Kingsbury's just not. I, I I don't follow Texas Tech recruiting super closely, but I'm pretty sure they haven't had a Dez and a Kendall Hunter and a Brandon Pettigrew. And I, I just I don't know. I, I look back and and just think about the importance of that for the Gundy era, and I I think it's I think we sort of underrate how important that was. Oh, for sure. It's still arguably his best recruiting class he's ever had. So obviously it was it was hugely important. And I don't have every season listed from Tech in front of me, but Kyle, but I would venture to guess 
they have maybe one or two wins from what we consider that what the top five or six programs in the league. I mean, all of their wins have been against the Iowa States, the Kansases, and like the Baylors of the world. I don't think they've ever beaten. They, we know they haven't beaten Oklahoma State. Um, have they beaten Oklahoma recently? I guess T- Tommy Tuberville went to Norman randomly and won. But as far as Cliff Kingsbury, I would venture to guess they have not beaten anyone in the upper echelon of the Big 12. Yeah, that's a good point. Even his first year, which was arguably his best, they went 8-5 and five with losses to OU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Baylor, and Texas. So that's a, that's a good point by you. Uh, before we do you, get – do you think he'll be the offensive coordinator when Mike Yurcich leaves? I've been you think, I, haven't I been saying that for like a year now or two years now? You've been saying it for like three or four. I don't <laughs> want to go old man on you and just exaggerate years, but um, we've talked about this on the podcast. You know, my, I contend that you know Gundy when he looks in the mirror, he thinks he sees a Cliff Kingsbury type. So I don't I don't know if he can I don't know if he needs someone more handsome than him walking around the hallways. <laughs> I don't know if he can I don't know if he could. He could stand that. He, had, he he can't make fun of Kingsbury's hairline like he did Cornelius. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I'm trying to see if they – I think they've only beat Oklahoma State, OU, and Texas, like that trio combined w- one time since Kingsbury's been there. Uh, no, they beat Texas last year as well. So they are 2 and – what is that? 2 and 13 against OU, Texas, and Oklahoma State. That's – it's not great. Um before we get too deep into tech, I wanted to kind of revisit the the Boise game, and I, I know we talked about it in our post game show a little bit on Sunday. But the 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 question that I had for you was, I kind of wanted to to split this up a little bit because I, I think there was a lot going on, and and um, I I wanted to see what you liked about OSU during the game, what you disliked, and what you're still unsure about because I I think we have this tendency after big wins to kind of project and say like. Oh man, Oklahoma Oklahoma State's gonna win the Big Twelve. They're gonna they might win it all, and it's like, well, is it sustainable to get two two pump box and one of them return for a touchdown every game? No, obviously not. Are you gonna get seven sacks every game with like three guys basically? No, that's these are not sustainable things. Did they look great? Yes. Was it a fun game? Yes. Should they play more big games at home? Absolutely. But. Just just run me through real quick one thing that sticks out for each category, what you liked, what you disliked, and what you're still kind of unsure about as they head into Big 12 play. Well, obviously I like the defense. You mentioned the sacks. I think that's going to be a huge – we can talk all we want about how much talent they have in the secondary or the linebacking core or the defensive line. But the bottom line is if Jordan Brailford and Calvin Bunnage can get to the quarterback that many times in a game and not necessarily have the same – amount of sacks but just get in the quarterback's face that often it's going to make up for any deficiencies we think they have in the secondary or anywhere else I mean it's just that's a game changer now I I do want to see that against Texas Tech who will will have much more of a shorter passing game get the ball out quicker and obviously OSU showed a lot of their cards against Boise and and Cliff Kingsbury will will know a lot more about their blitz schemes and and be way more prepared than Boise was because we didn't see any of that against you know the first two games so obviously, I think Jim Knowles is is proving to be a good hire so far. Uh, that's obviously what I like the most. What I disliked was the, the lack of carries for Justice Hill. Yeah. I mean, I you and I have talked about, and I've, I've been on Gundy's side on the first two games. You know, you don't need to, to run him twenty times against those teams, but 
against Boise in a tight game like it was, like get the ball to your best player. And I know they're trying to preserve him, but I didn't like that at all. And I, I want to see him get the ball a lot more against Tech. Um, what I'm still unsure about, Kyle, and I still think I thought the coaching staff did a magnificent job of pro- not protecting. Protecting might be a bad word for Cornelius, but managing Cornelius. Yeah. Uh, the run, the running game, I thought was a, a nice wrinkle. It caught Boise completely off guard. They, they did a really good job of kind of rolling him out, getting him to see about half, cutting the field in half at certain points. But he still just did not throw the ball very consistently down the field. You know, he underthrew Tyron on an easy score. So I, what I'm still unsure about is can Cornelius throw the deep ball with regularity and beat some of the better teams in the league? And, of course, Tech's defense is still terrible, so he should be able to throw the ball downfield against Tech. I just – I'm unsure when they get into the meat of the schedule. And especially, too, Kyle, the more games you play, the better the adjustments get from the other team. What kind of adjustments are teams going to make to kind of force Cornelius into doing what OSU was trying to avoid against Boise? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. I, I think for me, it's uh, I really liked the way they closed that that kind of game ending drive uh, was was awesome. I mean, you got you had Justice, you had JD, and then you had Cornelius running it in, and it, it was it was evident that they were the stronger, faster, better team late in a on, you know on a hot day in a big game. It, it was just, I I thought that was pretty cool, and I I just I've watched Justice's run like. 50 times now um I didn't I didn't love Cornelius on Saturday I know they got I I, and I sort of defended him on over the first two games but I I just feel like you gotta hit a deep ball you know and and I know he doesn't have James Washington I know he doesn't have Marcel Aitman but you only get so many shots at going deep per game and you know, maybe maybe that gets ironed out, and maybe he there's like sort of a correction to because he hasn't hit one, and so maybe there's a correction to like some sort of middle ground over the last over the final nine games. Hopefully there is. Hopefully for his sake there is. But I I just um, I I don't know. Like he made one throw to Jalen McCluskey that I, was unbelievable. Like he threw it into double coverage, kind of over the first defender. McCluskey makes this awesome catch going out of bounds, and you're like, "What? Where is that? Like, why? Why is that not an every play thing? You know?" Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I mean, again, like he's good on short throws, but you, you got to hit a deep ball. And then the thing that I'm sh- unsure of is sort of just the offense in general. Like, I, I think he got covered up a little because the defense was awesome and the special teams were awesome. Again. You're not going to block two punts every game. That is unsustainable. You that that will not happen. It can't happen. And so, if that's how you're blowing out a team like Boise and that gets taken away, are you still that much better than Boise? I think they're. I think they are better than Boise. I don't think they're that much better than Boise. And so, I just I, I just don't trust the offense yet. Now, again, they scored on like seven of their last eight drives, so maybe I should trust the offense. But I just. I just don't, and if if they're at K State and they're down six with like five minutes left, and they're driving from their own fifteen, I don't feel good about it. And and maybe that <laughs> maybe that changes, and maybe that's not how I should feel. But that's where I'm at right now with with the Oklahoma State offense. Well, and think about it. Like to me, that's a huge concern too. Is can they run the football, Kyle? I mean, they ran it for 176 yards on 38 carries, which is 4.6 yards per rush. That's what Justice's 
what was that a 70 yard run or is that a 53 i guess yeah, he stepped it, out of bounds yeah it got brought back to like 52 or 53 so uh, other than that they did not run the ball very well with regularity and that's that was kind of my concern coming into that game so what's going to happen when they can't run it you know in conference play and teams you know drop eight into coverage when Cornelius has to throw the ball and that's going to be that, that to me that to me is why you know on our post game show i wasn't just you know over the moon, thinking, "Oh my God, OSU is so much better than I thought. They might, they might win the Big 12." I just, I still saw enough deficiencies to be tempered a little. Uh, even though I think Boise, I still think Boise is a really good team. I think they have a good defense, and it was a really good win, obviously. But like, like, like you said, like the, the blocking, the, there were 17 points in special teams that Boise State gave up. They, they missed the the chip out field goal, and then the two block punts for touchdowns. Basically, I mean, that's that's huge, and that. You look everywhere else, the game was pretty close everywhere else. It was just really just a special teams disaster from Boise that we didn't see coming from OSU. So <clears throat> that's why my expectations are not, you know, just soaring after beating a really good team at home. Yeah, it's sort of like it's sort of like shooting a 63 in golf by making like three putts from 40 feet. And you're like, "Well, okay, that's great that you shot a 63, but is that sustainable?" And and again, like I mean, I'm the one that was like screaming on this podcast last week about how bad the special teams were. So I'm delighted to see that. Like that's a, <laughs> that's a great thing. I, I'm just I'm all I'm saying is like let's not get out over our skis about how much better Oklahoma State is than Boise because now okay the the flip side of that is like what if they'd scored touchdowns on like their like five long drives on offense and then done what they did on defense? Okay, then you're like wow this time this team might be really good. Because that is sustainable. That's who you are on offense. That's that's. It's just easier to sustain that than it is blocking two punts. And uh, so yeah, I, that, that's all I'm saying is that it's just. It was a great game, great win. Special teams are apparently good again, which is awesome. But I I I I need to see more of it over the course of the next few weeks. Apparently, Gundy wandered over to the special teams practice last week. Yeah, was he jo- was he joking about that? I think so. I mean, I think he leaves it to those those two grad or I don't know if they're grad assistants, but analysts, whatever you want to call them, that he he kept name dropping. I think he, I think he for the most part leaves it to them. He may have observed a little, but uh, he does kind of take ownership when they're good. He, and I guess he does it too when they're bad as well. He kind of takes credit for being the special teams coach. But uh, I thought that was funny. It was funny. Uh, has your confidence in Taylor Cornelius changed since? Or how has your confidence in, t- in uh, Corn Dog changed since before the first game? Well, I mean, I, I fully expected him to throw a couple picks against Boise, so he obviously, you know, did a great job of avoiding turnovers. I didn't, I had no idea. I mean, we all remember the run he had last year against Baylor, but I had no idea he could run that well. Still, even though he kind of left some Baylor defensive backs in the dust, I, I thought that was more of an anomaly, but. I don't know if you can run the corn dozer throughout the entire season, but uh, that surprised me. And I think he managed the game really well against Boise. I will give him credit for that. He didn't. He wasn't throwing it, throwing it into Boise defenders with regularity like he was against uh, Missouri State. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I I don't know where to land with him. Uh, you're like two different people. Like when you write your ten thoughts, you like you praise him and say he's great, and then you get on here, you're like, I don't know, he might stink. 
Which is it? Well, in the first two games, I was I, I tend to I I think sometimes I just go the opposite direction of everybody else because it's fun or because I like uh, the friction. I, I I don't know. Is that called trolling? Yeah, maybe 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 it is. Uh, I think that. Yeah, I think he's fine. Like I, I just, I, I think I maintain the position that I've held all year in that, and we talked about this in the post game, that he doesn't have to be elite. He doesn't have to be Brandon Whedon or Mason Rudolph. He just has to be good enough. And their problem though is if they can't figure out the running game, then he does have to be really good. And that's that's where you get into the thing that you're talking about of like. Okay, now Cornelius is having to force it, and he's throwing picks, and there, there's a pick six, and you know all these different things. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think that I am, I'm more confident in him now than I was before the first game, uh, just because I've seen him orchestrate three wins, and one of them being a, a pretty good one. Um, and he, you can do different things with him. I, I thought that was the interesting part about Saturday. Like, if that was Rudolph last year, now Rudolph obviously has the throws that it doesn't, you don't have to run him, but I think it's interesting that they can, they're a little bit more versatile on offense, even though they're probably not as good as they were last year. So I, I do sort of like that aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm in more agreement with you. I think he's pretty limited and my concerns mainly, as you mentioned, are the running game. Like what, what happens when they can't run it, which they, to this point, other than some some really long Justice Hill runs have not run it that great with regularity. So that that would be my concern. But I mean, if you had told us before the season started they're gonna be three and oh, I mean, we would we would obviously think that was a great start. So Yeah. So sure. uh not not much to complain about. Uh one thing one more thing real quick and then we'll do our toast. Uh we talked about this at, on the post game. We talked about best running backs. Was it of the Gundy era that we talked about? Uh we're talking about since Barry. Since Barry. Okay, that's right. Uh, some people uh, hit us up on Twitter. We forgot about Kendall Hunter, which was egregious. We talked <laughs> PFB, about... PFB Nate. That's PFB Nate's music. He brought it up. And no, that's a good point. And I I brought it up because Brian Keating and I had discussed it earlier in the week. And we, we, we even brought up Kendall Hunter. So I don't know why I forgot. But, you know, we... It came down to Kendall Hunter for us, and but the more you look at the stats, and I posted these on a thread on Twitter, that the stats are so close between Joseph Randall and Kendall Hunter. It's not just a runaway that you would expect. You know, I would off the top of my head, I would have said Kendall Hunter easily, but then you look at the numbers. Randall played one last year and had more touchdowns, and the total yardage is is about the same as you know Kendall's freshman year that or his extra year. Um, is that that's the yardage difference? So they're basically had the same career essentially. Only Randall scored more touchdowns, so it's close. But uh, I'd probably give the nod to Hunter though. He was, he was, uh, he was special. He he would have led the, he would have broken I think the school record in rushing without that that injury he had his junior year. He was rushing for over a thousand yards uh, his sophomore and senior year. So, but where would you put uh, Justice like within that trio? Oh, he's he's better than all of them. He's he's. Probably the best since Barry, I think. Mm, yeah. Do you do you agree or disagree? No, I I do agree. I I think it's hard because I think that we're so like we we're so prisoner of the moment, and and so it's hard like when something actually is better to know if you're being objective about it. But I think he's better. I think he's more explosive than Randall was. I don't know if he's as 
like straight up like i don't know if they raced like a hundred yard dash i don't know if justice would win but the jump cut thing is is a joke i mean it's unbelievable and i think he's more i think he's more versatile than than hunter was just in terms of catching and blocking and and all those different things I, i think hunter was okay at those things but i think I think Justice is sort of just a a little bit better version of Joseph Randall. Yeah, I mean Randall was a really good receiver. That's what his receiving yards, which I thought he would have had more than he did, and receiving touchdowns are, are certainly factored in. But I, I do think it's Hunter, and Hunter was awesome. I, I'll never forget that first game he played against Nebraska in 2007. I was there, and I was just like, "Who is that?" They literally can't tackle that guy. That was when he was a freshman. So yeah. he obviously he was an unbelievable football player. But Justice just he gets you out of your seat, man. When yeah. he when he carries the ball, like we haven't seen that very much at all at Oklahoma State. That that level of you mentioned the jump cuts, but just the the wow factor when he carries the ball. It's just it's unbelievable, and it's it's crazy how good he is. Yeah, it really is. Uh, okay, it's time for our Coop Elworks Toast of the Week. Coop Elworks, bring great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy a cold Coop Elworks, and please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, Carson, last week, a uh, friend of the pod, Matt Amillion, texted me and said that I should have toasted a uh, Fly Me Away IPA to Jelani for how he was flying down the field. <laughs> I thought that was that's, pretty. I thought that was good. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you got for me this week? Uh, I'm going off. I'm going off the beaten path. You don't see this one coming, I'm sure. I'm gonna do the. What do you think they drink in Philadelphia for Coop? <laughs> Probably something pretty pretty heavy. Maybe the maybe yeah. the uh, the red amber. Native the, amber. Native amber. Yeah. Or the briefcase brown. Yeah, yeah, maybe a briefcase brown. I'll probably go. I'll go briefcase brown for Philly. Uh, Matt Amendola. I was at the game in Lubbock a season ago when he missed just two, two kicks. Frankly, I could make in like my my running shoes, let alone in a football uniform. He hit the post. He he missed two chip shots, and we were all wondering if if OSU could even attempt to kick a field goal the rest of the season. Since then, Kyle, he's been one of the better kickers in the Big Twelve, if not the country. I mean, he's been super reliable. Uh, he made another kick against Boise. Um, he's, let's see, he's 6 of 6 this year. He's 23 of 29 last year. So he, I think I think since that tech debacle, he's been pretty solid. So I want to give a toast to him for, you know, really repaying Mike Gundy's faith in him. There were times last year, Kyle, I said that you have to go for it on fourth down. You can't. You can't run Matt Amendola out there anymore, and he's he's turned it around. So props to him and a toast to him. How did they win that Tech game last year? Rudolph threw a, Rudolph threw a pick six. Amendola hit the missed two. I mean, like well, I I just I don't understand how they won that game. Was Tech they're that, playing? They're playing that quarterback. What was his name? Oh, the, I forgot his name. Taddy Ice. Taddy Ice. <laughs> and uh, did Brailford come up with the pick? I think Brailford had a, a red zone interception. To yeah, kinda that might be right. Game. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Tech Tech has to wonder how they lose to OSU like every year. It's always some crazy circumstance. Remember the James Washington ran like a reverse eighty yards on him. Yeah, down that in fe- Lubbock. That feels that like it was like sixty to forty game. That feels like it was like fifteen years ago, and it was like three years ago. 
J.W. Walsh throwing bombs to James Washington. Yeah. That's how good James Washington was. <laughs> J.W. Walsh throwing 80 yard touchdowns. Uh, Nick Shimanek? Shimanek, Teddy Ice. Yeah. That that's, how, that's how she won. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go chalk here. I'm gonna I'm gonna toast a uh, F five to Jordan Brailford. Um I mean, his stats were were a joke. I think one of his uh, one of his sacks got taken away and given to maybe Jarrell Owens, but he still had like three sacks. It felt like he. Had, I always look at the uh, like the numbers on the stat broadcast thing after the game, and it feels like Oklahoma State had like fifteen quarterback hurries on Saturday. I think they ended with like two, and he had both of them. I think, or maybe Bundage had both of them or something. But uh, Brailford's awesome, and, you know, Gundy talked about it on Monday. We haven't really seen, like, healthy, really good Brailford in his career at Oklahoma State. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen it in spurts. Like, we saw it for a while last year. and Or did he play the whole year last year? Mm. Seems like he got hurt or he, he came in hurt or something like that. But what he's what he's done so far, his and, and I keep I, I think of him as a senior, but he's not. He's a junior. He he's just he's been awesome. And you said it on Saturday, like if he keeps playing like that, he's gonna he's gonna make himself some money in the NFL. So only uh, played in he only played in three games last year. Yeah, there you go. Which which games did he play in? Which could have been a redshirt year with the new rules. I don't know. I just have his game log. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, he didn't, he didn't do much. He only had eight, eight tackles. So an F five IPA to, uh, to Jordan Brailford for his, uh, unbelievable performance. Uh, against Boise. He played in three games. And he had five sacks. So he, he, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's awesome. He's, yeah. he's a dude. He's really, really good. Uh, we mentioned justice. Did you want to touch on Dax at all? Uh, I do. That's actually the next thing on my list. Uh, Dax going to Michigan. Surprise, not surprised. Uh, just what? Are, what was your reaction to it? How did you watch I, it all unfold? By the way, I saw it in our. I saw our Slack chat just go off like a nuclear bomb whenever word was getting out that that uh, <laughs> Dax would be committing that day. Um, and I, I guess him visiting Michigan made it more realistic for me for him to go to Michigan. I think that kind of like changed my outlook, but I still look at it and say, why are you going to Michigan? Like yeah. Harbaugh is like, I, I liked Jim Harbaugh. I still think he's a good coach. It just, it hasn't worked out for him. He hasn't found a quarterback. It's still Michigan. I think they're the winningest program of all time. Perhaps I have yeah. to look that up. But I, I think, think they're the winningest program of all time. I think that's right. So it's not like he went to, you know, Florida Atlantic or anything, but if he had gone to like Alabama, you, you nod your head and say, yes, you absolutely should go to Alabama. But if you go to Ohio State in the Big Ten, who put they put two or three DBs in the first round every year, I understand, even though I know there's turmoil with Urban Meyer. I just I was kind of surprised that he decided to go to Michigan. I, I would have expected Alabama. So I, I was I was surprised and I, I thought you wrote a column uh, pretty aggressively so about the the wind differences. Uh, the wind differential, rather, between uh, Oklahoma State and Michigan. Yeah, I did. I've got that pulled up uh, right now. Uh, after every – so if you go back to Gundy's first year, 2005, Oklahoma State has had more wins in every period of time going back to that date. So since uh, 2000, since the beginning of 2017, they have 13 wins. Michigan has 10. Since the beginning of, let's say, 2013, 
Oklahoma State has 50 wins. Michigan has 42. Beginning of 2009, Oklahoma State has 90 wins. Michigan has 72. Beginning of 2005, so the entire time period, Oklahoma State has 117 wins and Michigan has 102. My whole point was this wasn't really like like Dax can and should pick whatever school he wants. Like there are a thousand reasons to go to Michigan over Oklahoma State, but winning is not one of them. And if you think that it is, then you're it's just you're wrong. And this this sort of gets like this more gets at my point about how like how good Mike Gundy is and how sort of and I get it. Like Michigan has played some non-conference games that Oklahoma State hasn't in that period of time. They played some bowl games against teams that Oklahoma State hasn't. But on the whole, if you're winning, you know, if you look since, uh, let's see here, 2008, Oklahoma State has 24 more wins since 2008 than Michigan. You can't, not all of those were like non-conference games against Alabama for Michigan. Like, it's just not a reality. Like, they they have been a worse program over the last decade and a decade plus than Oklahoma state has been. And so that, that was all, that was my whole point. Like, I don't care about like Dax good for him. Like, I hope he goes on to be the number one pick in the NFL draft like that. That's awesome. Um, it, it is a bummer though. Like it could have been, that could have been program changing for Oklahoma state. You know, it really could have. And I think, you know, Marshall Scott, our, our guy in Stillwater, wrote a really good piece about how, like, Oklahoma State's whiffed on a lot of uh, bigger recru- or uh, bigger names and higher recruit brothers in the OSU era. You look at Logan Rudolph. You look at Caden Stearns. You look at Dax Hill now. That's that's not great, you know? And uh, I don't know. I, I think it just – it both speaks to Gundy's success as the coach in Stillwater, but also his – lack of success in recruiting in Stillwater over the, over the course of his 14 years. Yeah, I thought uh, Kyle Boone and, and Dustin Ragusa on the Reload podcast hit on this very well. I mean, they followed it much closer than I have. I mean, he goes to this opening camp for Nike, and he's hanging out with dudes who are going to Michigan. It speaks to the level of recruit that Oklahoma State does not go after, typically. I mean, would, would OSU even be in the running if his brother didn't go there? Like, no. So I, I think it speaks to the level of recruit. And think about it, Kyle, when you and I were in college. Like, you know, I – this is a total horrible analogy that's not really relevant, but I'm going to use it anyway. <laughs> like, when I was, like, thinking about what fraternity I wanted to go to, all my friends were going to a certain one, even though I like this other one better. I went to the one all my friends were going to because I wanted to hang out with my friends. Like, he, he obviously wanted to go play football with guys that he knew and, and frankly, guys that are of his caliber. There were no OSU guys at these camps. Uh, he is a, an upper echelon recruit that OSU's never gotten. So they were already, as you like to say, over their skis a little bit recruiting Dax. But I, under, I totally understand why he would go to a blue blood. I mean, he, he's that level of recruit. It's just the one he chose I thought was was a little odd. But yeah. especially especially when he wants to get into sports media and they don't even have a journalism program, like that doesn't make much sense. Was there any part of you on Tuesday that thought he was going to Oklahoma State? Um, a little, yeah, a little. I, I thought they were still in it, but I, again, coming off, you look at it two ways. Coming off the visit in Ann Arbor, either he loved it and was ready to commit to Michigan, which he was, or he saw everything he needed to see and Oklahoma State's really where he wanted to be. So I thought it could have gone either way. Yeah, there, <clears throat> I'm with you. There was a small part of me that was like, ah, this would be pretty awesome. 
Uh, were you were you doubling up your servers for your website? Yeah, literally we were. Like like literally, I, I was off that day, and I I texted Kyle Boone and said, "Hey, get with our developer and like make sure our our <laughs> our we have enough room because it would have been it would have been insane." Um, speaking of recruiting, we need to talk about well, we need to talk about two basketball items, but Mike Boynton. Another four-star, Avery Anderson commits. Uh, he's got the number nine class in the country right now, number one in the Big 12. Now, that's going to fade a little because they're running out of spots, and teams like Kansas don't have all their guys yet, but pretty impressive stuff, and it, it's fun to see Boynton sort of capitalize on what we all thought he would be, which is a, a really good recruiter who uh, – you know, the part that we didn't know is that he would be a really good coach too. Uh, so just thoughts on, on Anderson committing and, and, uh, where Boynton is at right now. I don't know if I've been more wrong about a coach in my life as I have about Mike Boynton. And I, I know I'm not alone in that. I think everyone questioned the hire when it was made, but could his approval rating be any higher right now? I mean, he obviously won everyone over with his his coaching style and and obviously his his personality's just second to none. We've had him on this podcast. He's a, just a treat to deal with, and I think he's completely won over a fan base that had no idea who he was when he was hired. And he he knows that he makes light of that. And then I had a huge question whether he could recruit, and I, I think certain national analysts were like, "No one knows who this guy is. How's he going to be able to recruit?" Well, he. He wins over recruits just in the exact same manner in which he won over Oklahoma State fans. He's just a personable guy. He clearly knows what he's doing with the X's and O's. I thought he made some brilliant moves throughout the season. So he's doing an awesome job, and I, I think his approval rating is is right there with Gundy's. That's how that's how well I think he's doing. Yeah, uh, it's it's cr- yeah, it, it's it's just exciting. Like that that's where I'm at. Uh, I'm just. I'm excited about Oklahoma State basketball. Um, For the first time since when? Uh, since Smart and them decided to come back and yeah. didn't work out. But yeah, they, I, th- I think so. They had well, that press conference in the no, union. That, yeah, that, that's probably not true. There, I think there was a period of time like when Underwood was – like, I, I mean, when he became the coach, I was excited. But there has been – and this is the whole deal is like – there's been a level of success not only on the court but uh, in recruiting as well with Boynton that has been sustained over time. Like I feel like I feel like for a while there it was like, oh, Boynton's a great recruiter, and you're and people are like, well, what's the evidence of that? And it's like, eh, I I don't know, I don't know. Like he just talks about it a lot, and but he talks about it in a way that makes you believe it. And I I never thought that he wasn't a great recruiter, but now you look at the guys that he's landed between the boon the boom brothers and anderson and you know even some guys that he that he brought in late in this uh 18 class and and you're like wow he actually is a really good recruiter and Oklahoma State might be really really good in the future which is i, I don't know like that that stuff is just it's fun to think about no it's it's super exciting and again i it's hard for me to remember the last time I was excited about OSU basketball. I, I remember Underwood had it rolling. That was fun. Uh, they still lost in the first round. So, I mean, putting together top 10 recruiting classes hasn't happened in a very, very long time. And that's exciting. So, yeah. I, I, I will say, you know, he has 
an off the court issue he's dealing with right now, which is not the not the first time he had to he had to boot Devon Dillard and um, who am I forgetting? The kid from Florida. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I don't remember. Dawson was it Zach? Dawson? Zach Dawson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so he I had to boot those two guys, and now Michael Weathers is having some issues. Yeah, not great. Uh, props to Kyle Boone for breaking this story. By the way, that was that was good on him for for reporting that. And uh, yeah, not not a great look. Uh, Michael Weathers reportedly, well, he was arrested for grand grand larceny, and then something else that I'm I don't want to say because I can't remember it exactly, and I don't want to get it wrong. Basically, uh, keeping stolen property from someone else, but. Um, According to the police report, Michael Weathers uh, stole a girl or a woman's wallet uh, from the line in Murphy's. It had her debit card, credit card, different things like that in it. And then he, according to the report again, uh, bought drinks with it at Murphy's and then got arrested later that night. And the whole thing is just, uh, it's just dumb. Like it just like you read it and you're like, what what are, what is this? Like what am I reading? You know, it's just it's just not a it's just not a great look, and it's not a it's not something that's very smart, and it 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 just it just comes across as kind of foolish. And uh, so Michael Weathers is suspended and indefinitely, and I, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Uh, how, how do you think it's going to play out, Carson? I don't know. You know, um, Mike Boynton didn't exactly waste any time with Devon Dillard and, and Zach Dawson. I know he probably gave them more chances than we know about, obviously. But uh, he, he's shown that he's a disciplinarian. I mean, he could he could have kept Dillard and them on and just tried to play it out and hope they didn't get in trouble again. And no one would, would have really faulted him for that. Um, so I'm, I am curious. You know, this, that, that would be a big loss. He was supposed to be the starter. Um, I think he's supposed to be one of their best players. But no, it was, it was foolish, and I, I am interested to see what kind of punishment Mike Boynton doles out if he doesn't kick him off the team. You know, we, we had Mike Holder on this podcast talking about Stairmasters. I don't know if I'd want to be on Mike Boynton's bad side. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as, as jovial as he is with us, he's a serious dude too. And I, I would, uh, I'd be very worried if I was Michael Weathers. Yeah, I, I would too. I think, I think he's, I think they're going to keep him. I, I just, I think the Dillard and Dawson stuff was more um, sort of like when you think about like a uh, somebody who is just bad on the inside, like bad for the team, like for guys to be around and stuff like that. I don't get the sense that that's what Weathers is. I get the sense that this was a really, really stupid mistake that uh, he shouldn't have done, obviously. But I, I don't know if it's to the level that he would kick him off the team but I don't I have no idea like I I have no idea how this is going to play out I I think that there is room there to to keep him and to and for him to you know pay his due whatever that is whether it's eight days on the stern you know I I don't I don't know I don't know what it would be um but I I lean toward that side based on everything that I know right now yeah you make some good points um but Grand Larceny is no joke. No, so, no. So we'll see. Yeah, no, that's that's true. It, it does. You, you read you read the headline and you're like, wow, that's you know that's really bad. But then you like read what actually happened. And you're like, yeah, that's it is really bad. But it's also like really just dumb. And um, so I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. But 
uh, it is an unfortunate setback for a program that has a ton of momentum right now going into 2019. Yeah, uh, we need to talk. Sure. Uh, we need to talk about tech a little bit more and and talk about uniforms, Carson. Let's get to this week's uniform preview, brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, Carson, you. Did you get the the no, no? None of us got the combo last week because they wore the uh, the brand helmet. Yeah, I should have picked that helmet. Should have known they weren't going to use the Bronco. Yeah, I, I loved your pick though. It, it, they went chalk. Uh, it was a good look. But the wearing the Bronco helmet would have been would have been all time. It would have been <laughs> it would have been phenomenal. Oh, uh, it would have been so great. What are you picking this week for Texas Tech? Well, I'm kind of in a slump. Right? I'm kind of I'm already on tilt, and we're only on game. Uh, four, but uh, I just I start to lean towards what they've worn against teams in the past. So I'm going to go the orange chrome helmet, black jersey, black pants. I don't feel great about it, but that's just kind of what popped into my head and stuck. So I'll go with that. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I'm going to go with the uh, the Ed Hardy black helmet, <laughs> uh, black jersey. I think I think black jersey is kind of a lock this weekend, don't you? Yeah, six o'clock kick, no doubt. Yeah, against Tech, it just feels it feels like a lock. OSU it, stole black from Tech, by the way. Yeah, of course. According to Tech. Yeah. According to Tech. And then I I'm having I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go black pants. I sort of want to go gray or orange pants, but I'm gonna go black. I'm gonna go all black. For, with the Ed Hardy. For, yeah, with the Ed Hardy. I like that pick a lot, actually. Yeah, uh, I can't. They wore that. Who did they wear that against? They've worn it before. They wore it in all black with Ed Hardy. Did they wear it in? Uh, or maybe they haven't. I don't. I don't know. I don't think they have worn all black with the the Ed Hardy. Yeah. So yeah, that's my pick for the weekend. We're getting like what happens in like seven years when we're trying to remember what they wore in <laughs> 2013. Like we're we're getting to like way too many comments like. Before it was easy, like post 2011, like in 12 and 13, we can remember like to the game yeah. <laughs> what they wore. <laughs> we're we're almost to the threshold here, Kyle, where we just turn into old men going, what they wear in 2015 <laughs> when Iowa State came to town? Well, what they wore, I think they wore all black against Tech in 2014. It was that Thursday night game. Um, I think it was the home, I think it was the Big 12 home opener that year as well. I have no recollection of that. The Dax Garmin game? Yeah, Dax was Dax was great that game. Yeah, they were all black, but with the uh, Big Pete chrome. I think that was the first time they wore the Big Pete uh, orange chrome helmet. Oh, and okay. Tech Tech wore their all whites with like the. the oh, those were hideous. Uh, the the rider thing on the shoulder pad and the and the leg and the helmet. I mean, it was just awful. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> Maybe the worst uniforms I've ever seen. It's so that's saying something. It looks like they. It looks like my daughter like took a sticker off of like a huge like <laughs> cutout page and like just pasted it onto like the pant leg. It's so bad. <laughs> I love your golf and kid analogies that you used. That's yeah. like your two worlds. It is. It really is my two worlds. Uh, okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and come back and we will wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. 
They specialize in custom printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, what all did we what all did we miss? What what else do you have for me? Well, you touched on it, and I wanted to kind of reiterate it before we finished. Um, the job Mike Gundy's done. I mean, the past ten years, you mentioned Michigan. They've won more games than USC, than Georgia, than Florida, and Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, we talk about it enough on this podcast, I know, but just to say that out loud is is egregious. When Mike Gunny took over the job, no one ever would have expected him to be as successful as he's been. And it's important to remember that. Yeah, uh, It's important to recognize what a really good coach. And that was probably my biggest takeaway, Kyle, was just, God, <laughs> it, doesn't, it almost doesn't matter who Mike Gundy recruits and the level of recruit. Like he's going to win because he's a really good coach. And there's moments in those press conferences, Kyle, I don't know if you've noticed these, where he'll start breaking it down, like X's and O's, like, well, we got the backer on the on the, on the Sam yeah, side. And yeah. we got the, he starts like going into it, and you're like, whoa. And he's sly, he's sly like a fox. Like He's got this, this comedy routine with his hair and with the slushies. But don't <laughs> let that fool you. The dude is a football junkie, and he knows the game as well as anybody, and he coaches it as well as anybody. So that's... I did want to mention that before we before we left. Yep, totally agree. Uh, I've been I, I've been saying it since the preseason, since Oklahoma State got a little a little slided in the polls. Uh, which again, preseason polls are stupid, but I just feel like he's earned the benefit of the doubt, and I don't know what he has to do to get it. Um, by the way, I am deep in the uh, the the Google machine on uh, Texas Tech uniform. It's it's not good. I'm I, I might be lost. Just I'm X out. X out that tab for your I, own good. I might be gone. They need to wear the the throwback, uh, the double T all the time. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, uh, they, but yeah, I, they they just should wear black and red. They don't need to like you have black and red as your school colors. Don't wear that hideous gray. You know, Under Armour hinders them quite a bit. I know you like Under Armour, but they <laughs> they hinder them quite a bit. I've got a uh, a lot of Patty Mahomes. Uh, photos pulled up did did you think he was going to be this good in the nfl at any point um i mean i thought he had a chance to be good i thought he went to a good place uh but, but throwing 10 touchdowns in two games no i didn't i didn't expect that he, he's he been unbelievable i don't remember his arm being that good at tech maybe it was i saw him throw it about 75 yards on a rope in person so i, I knew he had a good arm i just i didn't know if he'd throw it to the other team a lot. That was my concern with him. I forgot about the Texas flag helmets. Oh my gosh, those are so bad. How is that? How did they wear these? I don't know. They're they're so bad. <laughs> okay, uh, we need we need to wrap things up. I do you need... think do you think there's a Texas Tech blog looking up the uh, <laughs> the little Bo Pete helmet, the Fisher Price orange helmet with the little tiny pistol Pete head on it? Going, they wore these. Can you believe those? Steelers at OSU wore these terrible helmets. We're supposed to be the ones wearing bad helmets. I I hope they are. I really do. Um, but no, I I I want to echo what you said about Gundy. Um, it's been fun to cover, man. You know, we've talked about that. It's gonna it's gonna be a bummer when he's gone, just from an entertainment and and 
quality standpoint. Uh, coaches make programs. Programs don't make programs. Texas is proving that. Michigan is is somewhat proving that, although they're not as bad off as Texas is. Um, yeah, coaches make programs, and he's been he's been awesome at Oklahoma State. And uh, I, I, you know, you can lament the fact that he's only won one Big Twelve title, and and you should. And that's part of the that's part of the narrative. That's part of his story. But uh, it, it's been a blast to cover, and I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of the year. Me too. Can't wait for Saturday. I'll okay. be up in Stillwater. Okay. Enjoy it. All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you, Carson. Yep. Yeah.